I'm a Yahweh again, your conduit to share and bring the word to my brothers and sisters and they that have an ear to hear you, Father God, your truth, knowledge, and wisdom. Your truth, knowledge, and wisdom. Not about me. This is about the gospel of you, the gospel of Jesus, my Lord and Savior who came and died for me. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity. Bless the reading of any scriptures that I share with these folks, Father, that you would bless and open their ears and open their hearts so that they would hear, hear, listen, and obey. Abiyawi aman, Yeshu aman, Barakitos aman. So, I have some things I'm going to look at and share with you that are very difficult in this day and age, in this time that we're in, because people just won't do it. The Word tells us that we are to wait upon the Lord. And and Isaiah, David, they both tell us And Isaiah tells us that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That we shall mount up on wings as eagles. Run and not be weary. We can walk and keep on walking and keep on walking and not faint. What does that translate to? Is he talking about literally? No... I think not, although knowing my God and having faith in my God, as I've shared with you before about the mountains, that we may see as mountains and are not, but we cast them out and away. But this is to say that God can't do those things. Oh, he can. But what... Isaiah is telling us is that if we wait and listen for what God is going to direct us to do, the direction he's going to send us, and we wait on him with diligent patience and wait for his directive. I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of times where God will say or do something that we may not like or appreciate but too bad so sad that's Lord God he sees beyond the immediate response that we see he sees what the outlying result will be he was going to see the re, the uh, circumstances that this evolves into and becomes something much more than that immediate moment that you're whining and crying about. Oh, he didn't answer me. He didn't answer the way I wanted him to. There's so many, so many things that we will have to say with that mammon ideology and that thought that we have for this plane of existence. Well, it didn't happen. Well, here's several things that we have to understand that we pray to God in auspicious fear, first of all. He is the Lord, sovereign God, almighty maker of all things made. He is the heavenly father of Jesus Christ, whom, and accepting that he is the only begotten son, and that God is our heavenly father, and that we will follow the Holy Spirit, that we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. So we have given over to God that authority to address the issues in this life and that we have also in agreement are going to follow and listen to him as best that we possibly can. And here's the thing, remember Very important. I've shared this with you on several occasions. God knows that we are not perfect. God 
does not ask us to be perfect. He asks us to be in his perfect will. There's a difference. He is the perfect one. And there's nothing on this plane of existence that is perfect and will be perfect until he who is perfect has come. What does that mean? When the Lion of the tribe of Judah returns for us as he's promised he will do, then there will be perfection on this plane of existence. And not until then and only then will there be perfection. And of course, I hope you know that I am speaking of Jesus Christ. Jesus, anointed of God. When he comes back, then there will be perfection here. Until that time, there is none. None. Oh, what a perfect sunset. Oh, what a perfect sunrise. Oh, what a perfect day. Well, and people tend to lead an observation much with that statement. And in that instance, I would say it is because God made it. God presented it. And that perfection is only in God. But when they look at things and they, oh, what a perfect sculpture, what a perfect painting, what a, man, the architecture is perfect. And that is false, totally false. It might be really good. And perhaps the artist, the sculptor, and the architect were or are Christian. They follow God's leading and he blesses them with fine artwork, sculpting, architecture, and he he allows that because they have declared themselves to be his children. But they're not perfect. That's not to detract from them. He allows that they do some really beautiful things. But here's the thing that we have to remember. God is our Lord and sovereign. And in his response to things that we declare, it may not take place exactly when we want it to. So consequently, sadly, what takes place is the whining and wanking starts. What does that mean? Even the label heads, self-proclaimed Christians, grumble and gripe, complain because they didn't get the response that they wanted or it didn't happen in the time frame that they wanted. Forgetting that God is sovereign and his time frame is what matters and counts and not ours. And that his knowledge and wisdom is omniscient, meaning that he knows what is going to happen and what would happen if he allowed something to take place. He's fitting all of the puzzle pieces together, which you have no concept of. Okay, let's go to a different analogy. I think the Spirit is going to allow this. Okay, puzzles. How many of you have ever taken one of those really masterful puzzles that are 10,000 pieces and laid them out on a card table? My mom and I used to do this. And you lay those pieces out, then you try to turn over all the ones that are like, but this thing is so intricate and so detailed that there are so many repeat color patterns. It's very difficult. You have to be very diligent in what you do. And then you jump the gun in a couple places and you go in and you turn a piece and you put it in. And then once you get it in place, you see that the color isn't matching or it doesn't fit at all, but it looks exactly like what should go there. But it doesn't fit. Ah, but then the eyes and knowledge and the wisdom of the Lord God Almighty fit all the puzzle pieces together as they should be. He doesn't jump the gun. He doesn't try to force it. 
He doesn't turn it and manipulate it so it fits. And we, on the other hand, get so antsy and so impatient. And then what we have the audacity to declare is that uh, God's not answering prayer. He's not listening to me for some. Ah, oh, but he does. Ah, oh, but he does. Ah, oh, but he does. I'm going to share this in the reading that I had. And I'm going to flip over here. And I'm gonna, actually, I didn't flip to that scripture. Forgive me, Father. But I'm going to go over here and one of my mentors in his writing is referring to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to flip over the pages to Romans 12. Uh, he's repeating something that I've shared with you before. Remember those things that I call, I call them bullet prayers? <laughs> this is in Romans 12, 12. Actually, I'm going to go back up and I'm going to read. I'm going to go back up to nine and I'm going to read through. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. What does that mean? That means that the other's preferences or the other is more important than self and that person in their love, their agape love that we are all supposed to carry with us is in turn going to make certain that your attentive needs or wants are more important than theirs. And if we if we treat each other the way that God has designed for us to do, what a wonderful place this would be. You would not have the racial prejudice that is forced down one another's throat. And and thank you, Brachitos, for your hand in this thing and, and shutting my mouth. <laughs> because I tell you, it, it really, it bothers me when people speak that racist, Garbage, and it doesn't matter who's doing it. And let me tell you, I've run into some serious issues. And uh, I had an older black man who is um, very disrespectful, very rude, very obnoxious, and it's either his way or no way. And he is bound and determined that it's going to be his way. And I find that Sadly, so many people acquiesce, and so his disrespect to everyone else is actually being met and and not being dissuaded. And he made a comment yesterday because, and, and I finally told him. I just finally told him because I had enough. He was trying to point that, put it out on everyone, and I told him. And I was I was angry but not sinful in my anger. And I just told him, I said, you are highly disrespectful and you care nothing for anyone else except yourself. And he agreed to that. He said, that's right. And then I just pointed my finger at him and I, yeah, I scolded him like a, like a parent would a child. He didn't like that. And then he started making open comments as I'm walking and securing things and, and going to get ready to go to take him where he needed to be. And he said, you know, where I come from, we just kill you white boys for that. Or just shoot you white boys for that. And I looked at him, I said, well, then it's a good thing I'm not white. And I just kept walking. He didn't know what to make of that. He had no response. And I was just trying to keep away from that. Racism, it's just so, God determined the tonation of the skin. We determine the character of our hearts. But it also does not say in the Bible <coughs> that to be a Christian, we need to let people walk over us 
And it tells us that we can be angry, but we should not sin in our anger. And when we got to the and I was praying those instant prayers that it, it suggests that we can have. And you remember I've shared with you the bullet prayers. The bullet prayers that we send out to the Holy Spirit to guide and keep us. When I got him to destination and we went to get him off, and he's never done this before, never done it before, he thanked me. And he said, you know, we, we bump. He said, but we'll be okay. And to me, that is a pretty quick response and answer to prayer because I gave it over to the Holy Spirit. I wasn't going to keep holding on to it and replay it. And my mentor that I read quite a bit from, he said something that he borrowed from somebody. Uh, don't curse it, don't nurse it, don't rehearse it. And what he means is that the instant that it happens, you're not going to sit there and grumble and gripe about it. You're not going to nurse your wounds. Maybe it didn't feel good to you. Don't sit there licking your wounds and, and keep griping and griping and griping. And then you don't rehearse it by pre-planning a response that you're going to do if it happens again. And you're not going to allow it because you're going to do this instead of them doing that. And Why are you rehearsing something that may not even take place? And you remember I've shared this with you before. What if, even if the Holy Spirit walks with us, guides our steps, and guides those steps of those that love the Lord. And those bullet prayers I've shared with you are pretty instantaneous. Okay, back. And further reading. Verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Book of Romans. Instant prayer. Those are those bullet prayers that I talked about. Just like in the midst of that singling in-depth confrontation that could have gone a whole different direction. I was thrown out bullet prayers because I wanted the Holy Spirit's guidance. I didn't want to rely on myself. I've shared this with you before, and the Holy Spirit protects me because the minions come and they try to direct us toward that old way, that old walk but the Holy Spirit is there to guide and protect them. This is part of that spiritual battle and warfare that goes on continually. And then you have those slothful, lazy, self-proclaimed Christians that say, oh, oh, we win anyway, I don't have to do anything. So you don't have to resist the minions of hell that come and constantly put that white noise interference in the thought process in your head. So in the midst of something like that, you become aggressive, you become verbally aggressive, you become angry, and then maybe even want to become physically aggressive and you drive toward that thing instead of instantly praying that the Holy Spirit guide and keep you and that you put up your shield of faith. You can be angry as a Christian, but do not sin in your anger. Be righteous in your anger, and it's possible to do. And nowhere in the scripture does it say to just lay down and be a carpet, a, a doormat, and walked on. And there's a difference in the, in the teachings and the examples that Jesus had. He was, he was not by any means allowing himself to be a doormat. But when somebody came up and just slapped him, and he turned the other cheek. But trust me, this I I don't see any instance in the in the uh, scripture where Jesus was 
other than at the crucifixion, but that was part of a plan. But in his walking and teaching, people threw things at him. They cursed at him. They spat at him, spat on him, slapped him. And they displayed their anger, but he did not. And he didn't respond. And I imagine if somebody had jumped on him and was wrestling or fighting, I think that he would have defended himself. Uh, I don't think that he would have allowed the anger to well up and then he just beat them to a pulp. I don't think he would have done that. And it was different when he was angry in the courts of the church when they were, when the elders of the church and the money changers were stealing not only from the people coming to worship God, but they were stealing from God and taking a percentage greater for themselves in exchange for that and paying the priests and the, and the uh, elders of the church as well. That made Jesus angry. And he didn't beat them like he was beaten. He scourged them out of the courtyard of the temple. Mostly, I think, kind of a, a half-hearted wrist smack with that thing, but they don't like it because they, they can feel it and they didn't appreciate it. So he was scourging them like a uh, like you would guide your herding animals, and they responded, they left. But what do you imagine if he had beaten them the way he was beaten before he was crucified? Wow. My spirit just went back to that place. Jesus came here because Lord God Almighty saw forward and decided that he did not want this earth and us whom he loves so greatly that he sent his only begotten son. <clears throat> and that we wait on his knowledge and his wisdom. And because we are so antsy, we get so agitated, we want to get something because we have been taught in this process that of the smartphone and all this other crap that comes with the technology. Yeah, that's right. I said that word. Get your knickers in a twist over it. Because that's what it is. We have gotten so used, gotten so used to the idea that we can get everything in the snap of a finger. We can get it now. We can order something from the grocery store right now. We can have it delivered right now. We can get something that we want, that we see today. We can get it delivered tomorrow. We have been... Do you not think for one moment that we are being trained up? We are being trained up through the white noise interference of the minions of hell and by the prince of the airwaves to be responsive to that and that we are not willing to sit and wait patiently on God who will deliver when he sees it is right to do so. We are being trained up by the enemy to be that way. We are trained up to not have patience. We are being trained up to not want to wait on anything. We are being trained up to be derisive. We are being trained up to be separate from one another. When the word and the gospel of Jesus Christ and the truth and the word of God tells us to bear up one another, to pray for one another, to love one another, to encourage one another, to forgive one another, no matter what. And yet, in this day, in this age, and this time that we are walking, we are being shown exactly the opposite. The opposite of all those good things that God is training us up for. That he has designed for us to be. And that love and that, that he's put in these things that he's put in, the minions are working greatly over time to have us be 
opposite of that very thing. And sadly, I see label heads and self-proclaimed Christians that are, are that way. Let's go back to the perverts that get up there on stage and teach that the word is wrong and that we need to rewrite it. And you have some perverts that are really, really in high places. And they're saying that they're going to rewrite the word of God. Better read that last chapter of the book of Revelation there, brothers and sisters, because you started doing that and you are tampering with your very lives and souls. And worse yet, you're tampering with the souls of others. You do not have that authority. That is a self-declared, self-proclaimed authority that you do not have. Walk cautiously. The word of God is the same yesterday, today, and for always. The word was with God and the word is God from the beginning. And the word became flesh. And that word is the word of truth. Jesus Christ came and just like he told the Sanhedrin, he stood before them, he said, you don't know the truth and the truth stands before you. You say that you know God and you don't even recognize the word of God and the truth is standing before you and you fail to recognize it. Instead, you speak harshly, negatively, and you speak the language of your father because you've been brought up in the ways of your father. And that is iniquitous, sinful, derogatory, derisive, hateful, language that you have learned. Why? Because you are sons of the devil. Can you imagine if you were sitting on that panel of the Sanhedrin and this man stood before you and declared you sons of the devil, except the thing of it is that they couldn't argue and they had nothing to respond because he spoke truth and his authority overshadowed any self-proclaimed authority that they have. And in using that, a derivative of the word iniquity, iniquitous behavior, iniquity, gross injustice or wickedness, a violation of right or duty, wicked act, sin, comes from a Latin compound iniquitous, uneven or unfair. Look around our society. Are we not indulging in that very thing? Oh, yes. And you will have those who declare themselves to be self-made. They're some of the worst. And in a facade, they profess to be some of the best and there are people that buy into that but it is a facade remember this thing don't try to rush God to respond don't get caught up with that attitude that is going on in this world today that we want it now we can have it now we can get it now I ordered it today and I can have it tomorrow or the next day. When you get like that, you lose patience with anything or anyone else. I am seeing more and more lack of parenting because those that are supposed to be the adults in a relationship have no patience for their child because they tell them something because they didn't respond at the snap of a finger, the drop of a hat, and they go off the deep end. And as they're falling off that diving board that they jumped into that dark water, they're cussing and cursing all the way down. And then they make that splash into the entry of that thing that they chose to dive into. It's pretty bleak. But remember that our Heavenly Father is the creator of the universe and he chooses to live 
in us and with us and guide us and be with us and hear our prayers and and, and to be with us. We just look into our hearts and just take a moment. Just a moment. Just a moment. What? Nobody can, nobody can afford 30 seconds or 60 seconds? Come on, give me a break. We have been brought up in a society of want it now, get it now. And that capability has been made. Do you not suppose that this is the working of the enemy? Come on, brothers and sisters, put it together. It's not hard to figure out. It's really not hard. It's not rocket science. It's reading and being in the word of God, studying to show thyself approved of his way, his walk, his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom. Put it together. His knowledge, collecting, putting it together, amassing that, then it makes you a wiser person. Put it together and figure it out. It doesn't take much. It's not really hard. Satan is grooming us to be that way because more and more people will become impatient and disgusted and they will walk away, which is what he is looking to happen. To become derisive and hateful with one another because he knows that it makes God sad. Oh, yes, he does. And it does. Indeed. But we don't have to be that way. We can resist. Just resist. And I have to be resisting, and I actually pray when I, I go grocery shopping. <laughs> actually, it's, it's kind of, might seem kind of silly, but I, I have to be prayerful of that because I go in and I am aware of the lies that are being perpetrated on us because when I go in, I see the empty shelves and these individuals that are perpetrating and pushing and pandering these lies, they have no problem. They're not just breaking even. They're actually quite wealthy and wealthy because of those of us that are carrying them on our backs. And when they declare things like, oh, we're all in this together. No, we're not because you have, you have medical staff that have put up equipment in your basements. <clears throat> you have medical staff that are on call and these are paid for and all the equipment is paid for by the taxpayer, the people that you are lying to. And you don't have any problem getting groceries. You don't have any problem losing businesses. And your family's starving because we are not all in this together. But they put all this stuff out. So we have to resist this. And I have to resist. And I pray when I go grocery shopping because I see the empty shelves. And we're being told that the shelves are not empty that the supplies are plenty, that there's plenty for everyone. And I go in and I see completely exactly the opposite of what we're being told. This, to me, is an iniquity that is being played out on those of us that were supposed to be protected by these individuals that were elected and put in. They're supposed to be taking care of us. But here's the thing. They are also minions of hell because they have chosen, like the versicle Sanhedrin did, that, that Jesus told them. He said, you speak the language of your father and I speak the language of my father. Which is why they didn't understand when Jesus spoke parabolic speech to them. They couldn't, they didn't, what? What's he talking about? What? What did he just say? I didn't get, can you say that again? Didn't get it, didn't understand it. And they weren't going to understand it because Jesus, look, if you look back in the Old Testament, God spoke in parables. Oh, yes, he did. He spoke parabolically. And Jesus came from the Father. He is the only begotten Son. 
and he spoke in parables and they didn't get it then and they didn't get it with him. Because of their iniquity and their choice to follow the white noise interference instead of the truth. There are those that are doing that now. But if we sit quietly, we don't get rambunctious and we don't get all ready to go. And there are so many that cannot just sit. They can't just sit and wait for the God of our fathers and our Heavenly Father to respond because they are impatient. This is why if we go back, where am I going? I'm going to, uh, here we go. Got my marker in the page. We're going back to 1 Kings. That uh, Elijah was in a spiritual battle. Now, you have to remember that um, uh, that uh, Ahab, a very... Ah, that word just fits so well. A very iniquitous king of Israel because okay yeah okay I'm overplaying a little bit I like the word iniquitous but you have to understand that he was a wicked a vile absolutely despicable and he fit the word despot so accurately and he married Jezebel from the country who was at enmity with Israel. And she brought in her false gods, her counselors and her prophets and her liars and came in and twisted the nation of Israel. And some of you may or may not, this is in, uh, we're in uh, reading in First Kings, you can go through. 18, 19, and in 19 is actually where I'm coming. And there's places in here where following and following the directions of God and, and the leading of God and following what God tells them to do. Elijah outran the chariot that Ahab was having his chauffeur drive. He outran the chariot. God was with him. God emboldened his spirit. He girded up his robe and he took off at a gallop and outran Ahab's chariot. But then... He took off because Jezebel sent a message. And he was all agitated. That Elijah had killed all of her prophets and the altar that he had made to the Lord God and the sacrifice was answered. And she sent a message to Elijah telling him that it was going to happen to him what happened to them. And he was so distraught, he was so upset because he believed himself to be the only one left to stand for God in the nation. He believed that he was the only one left and, and he became afraid. 
But in his fear, he allowed it to become fearful. He wasn't just afraid and praying. He became fearful. She was going to hunt him down. She was going to kill him. He'd already seen things done in the nation. So, yeah, he, he became fearful. And as he ran and took off and he found a, out in the middle of the wilderness, he found a juniper tree and he laid down and, and was taking a nap. And an angel came and touched him. Unlike it did to Peter when Peter was in prison and full of his doubts and all that. And remember what it says there, maybe you don't. But the angel smote him on his side. That's a little bit different than what's going on here. The angel touched Elijah. The angel smote Peter. <laughs> I mean, it gave Peter a good whack. Hey, get up. I've got something to tell you. You need to do what you're told to do. And what I'm going to tell you to do. Let's go. But with Elijah, he touched him. He said, you need to get up. You need to eat something. And because Elijah had been praying to God to just that he just wanted to lay down and die because he was the only one left. There was no one to carry the word and, and speak God's truth. He was on his own, so he believed. And so the angel touched him, and he laid down, took a nap, and the angel touched him again. He said, get up and eat, because you've got a long way to go. And... In what he had eaten and given, he had been given meat, been given water, been given bread and water, and on that strength of that, he took off. And he headed for God's mountain. And he went to Hebron, and he or Horeb, I'm sorry, he went to Horeb, uh, which is... Mount of God, and he, and he went in, he found a cave, and he went to hide. And the word of God came and asked him, and said, Why are you here, Elijah? And that's when he started to kind of whine to the Lord and said, Children of Israel have forsaken their covenant. They have taken Jezebel as their queen and Ahab is despicable. He's a despot. It tears down all the high places and puts up altars and false, false idols in their place. He's taken everything down and put up all those things for her gods. Yada, 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 yada. And it says, I even, I only am left. And now they seek my life. God said, Elijah, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And so he went out and the Lord passed by and there was a great and strong wind pulled down the stones and broke them in pieces and, pulled, and they went rolling down the mountain. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind came an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake, a great fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the still, small voice. And Elijah heard it. And he wrapped himself in his mantle. And he stood at the cave entrance. And that voice came and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And he told them again, he said, they've forsaken their agreement with you, Father. Pulled down everything, destroyed everything. And they want to find me and kill me. He says, go, return.
And he said, when you go, he said, you're going to do some certain things. And he said that what will come to pass, that certain things are going to take place in Israel. And what he told me says in verse 18, he says, yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. So now what he's telling his prophet is that there are 7,000 that refuse to kneel down to the false prophets, false idols, and the false teachings, and the false directives of Jezebel and her lies. God always talks to us in that still small voice. We're not going to find it in all the tumult and all the everything that's going on all out and around and in our whining way inward. But God, I'm all alone. But God, but God, but God. And that white noise interference keeps filtering in. The minions love that. Oh, but God, but God, but God, but what? And everybody loves to be out there on the, and, and they don't even realize that they're part of it. And then they throw at you, what if, what if, what if this happens? What if that happens? What? And then your response should be, even if it does, my Lord, my God is beside me. My Lord, my God is walking with me. My Lord, my God, my shield my truth, my buckler, the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation that my Lord Jesus gave to me when he came and died for me, the truth that God gives me in his word and his book that I'm able to share as a conduit of truth, even if in Psalm 5.3, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning I will direct my prayers unto thee and will look up. So instead of looking down and shuffling and kicking the pebbles and scribbling in the sand with your toes, look up. Every day should start with prayer to God, thanking him first of all for giving you the grace of breath and then of course the mercy and some of you may not look at it that way, and that's sad, to continue breathing through the course of the day because it doesn't have to. You have to understand something. God does not have to, and you stop taking life for granted because tomorrow is not promised for any of us. Even me, I can sit here, and I can't take things for granted. I have to know and trust and rely on God. And I... Get up in the morning, you are in my prayers, am I going out, am I coming in? Psalm 11, 1, in the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow and they make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. So you have those that are lying and they're directing untruths to those that believe, to those that want to stay upright and true to God. But we need to stay bold, upright, courageous. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Anzariah stayed true, bold, upright, and righteous. They did not sin in their anger or boldness toward Nebuchadnezzar. They weren't confrontational. They didn't become physical. They just refused to bow to his false idol. They refused to pray to the false gods. They refused to consume those things that were came from the altar of those false gods. And you remember the little contest that Daniel challenged them. And they ate the way that they were directed to eat by God. And Baal's prophets, through the directive of Nebuchadnezzar, they ate their deal. And Daniel, Hananiah, and Zerah, and Mishael, they became stronger. 
they actually looked healthier. Psalm 13, 5 and 6. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he had dealt bountifully with me. Psalm 14, 1 and 2. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. God searches this plane of existence for those of us that are willing to stand in the gap and share the truth, knowledge, and wisdom of Lord God Almighty. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? None. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Colossians 1.16 And I'm going to share too, quickly, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Not for your sake, not for, but for his sake, because he knows that in that righteousness we will share truth anyway, and that it will be shared and shown. Brothers and sisters, that was what we are to do. That was only part of Psalm 23. I would suggest greatly that you read Psalm 23 in its entirety. It is the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord is good. You are in my prayers, am I going out, am I coming in? 